Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. It seems to me I've heard that song before. It's from an old familiar score. I know it well, that melody. If you suffer with depression, it's a song you'll know very well. The thoughts of despair and hopelessness keep playing over and over and over in our minds with no end. Youth Awareness Week is in April and one of the big challenges for teens is depression. It's regarded as a serious problem that impacts every aspect of their life and left untreated can lead to a string of self-abuse including suicide. Currently one source says that suicide in this country is in the top three killers. And our specialist Ewan works with psychiatric triage in a public hospital emergency department. Recently he was published in a journal comparing standard mood changes with depression, an illness which is no respecter of persons postnatal depression, teens, the elderly. So Ewan, what is depression exactly? Well, basically it's experiencing low mood or sadness um, quite intensely and with, I guess, no particular known reasons. Um, sometimes it could be feeling nothing at all and we call that dysthymia. It's the absence of normal mood or the absence of mood. Um, it may get to the point where it affects you know, our everyday functioning or our ability to partake or enjoy in our usual activities. Um, themes of, of worthlessness and hopelessness, like it's never going to change, are, you know, very common. Feeling discouraged or themes of despair. And the duration's important as well. It could be a, a mild depression where it lasts a couple of weeks or a major depressive episode where it can last many months or many years. And what really alarms me is re depression is referred to as an illness, which makes it sound so beyond hope. I guess the nature of depression is that you feel beyond hope and when you're in that depth and you've been in that for a long time, that darkness, as people sometimes say, who can blame someone for feeling that, that nothing can be done. So yes, you're certainly right um, in referring it to an illness in that manner. So how might someone know if they're suffering from depression? Interestingly, Chris, I mean, there's a lot of um, screening tools and a lot of therapies and things like that, but I find that, at least in my job, that we find that there's just simply two questions, Chris, that you can ask yourself that are actually been shown to have high efficacy in predicting depression. So the first question I would ask myself is, do you think you're depressed? If you think so, Chris, there's every chance you might be. And the second question you'd ask yourself is, have you lost enjoyment in activities or leisure? I think if the answer is yes to those, maybe ask yourself some other questions like, how long have you been feeling this way? Is it short term? Is it long term? Is it affecting your functioning in other ways? Maybe look at if you've been withdrawing from friends or family or activities. Maybe if you're younger, spending a little bit more time in your room or not going out. Are relying on substances for comfort? And we don't necessarily mean um, drugs or alcohol, but it might be comfort eating, for example. Some people eat more or some people eat less. So some sort of substance for comfort. I mean, basically, if you've been feeling teary or if you've been moody, has your sleep or your appetite or your concentration changed in any way? If you've been feeling fearful or anxious or getting agitated a little more easily, I'd be curious also to know if you or family members have a history of depression. And if these have been continuing for four weeks or more, I guess there's a really strong chance that you've slipped into feeling depressed. You and studies show that depression is a risk factor for suicide. Uh, and given your role in emergency, what are some of the things that people might do to harm themselves or attempt suicide? Yeah, sure, Chris. We, we get a lot of people that come down and they might have um, threatened to harm themselves with implements around the house or threatened to do an act um, that is likely to end in a, quite a significant adverse event. 
overdoses, they might cut themselves, they might drink poisons. And I won't go into great details, obviously, Chris, at the risk of copycat behaviours, but often they will come to emergency in a really highly emotional state and some will want assistance and others won't, so it varies somewhat, Chris. So how do you assess the risk of suicide? It's uh, a complicated area. Um, it's a sensitive area. So as I'm talking about this, if anyone's taking offence at the clinical way I presented, I don't mean it as to such. You know, in many respects, it can be not entirely reliable because things change. Someone might be there as I'm assessing them and they're genuinely not suicidal at the time, but they might go home and something will change and they might feel suicidal then. So, you know, we can only look at the here and the now to a certain point. I guess when someone presents to the emergency department and they've made a suicide attempt, I'll look at a few things. The first thing is their past history, I guess. So how many times have they done this before and what's different about it? Do they have a psychiatric diagnosis, whether it be a schizophrenia or depression or a borderline um, personality disorder or other personality disorder? Then I'll look at the actually what happened on this occasion. If I can compare it to other occasions, I will. So before they come down, how are they feeling when they took the overdose and how are they feeling in the lead up to that? Have they been feeling suicidal for some period of time or have they been feeling depressed for some period of time? Have they been thinking about this for some sort of time and have they been planning this event for some sort of time? So let's take overdose for an example. How well planned was it? Did they prepare for the death? So did they write a fairly intricate note which might have been leaving certain things to certain people and like a quasi-will, if you know, if you may. Often people might write notes, but notes in themselves can be just as impulsive as a suicide attempt, for example. So was it a well-planned note? Was it written? Was it typed? Was it signed? Was it on some nice note paper? Was it well-structured? Was it written neatly, for example, and considered or was it just scrap bit of paper that was found on the kitchen bench, which is, you know, I hate you all and was obviously written very quickly and without thought. I guess I'd look at maybe some surrounding events. So how were they feeling at the time? And then what happened next? Did they not tell anyone? Did they go off and wait to die? You know, were they in a secluded area or something like that? Or did they immediately do it and did they tell someone? So they might have planned it for a while, taken an overdose or done whatever action it was and thought, oops, what have I done? Contacted an ambulance or contacted a friend right. or put a Facebook entry or text. And interestingly, there seem to be less and less notes, Chris, people often putting messages on their Facebook or yeah. texting friends, for example, about their intent and often when it's too late. Right. One of the big questions that we have to ask is, is admitting someone therapeutic? Because often people will come down and they'll assume that admission is the only way to help someone, but admission may actually not help. For example, with younger people that have you know, tried to suicide or done something, a suicide attempt, whether it be serious or not as serious, admission comes with new risks. I've got to consider that this is a person that's never been within the mental health system and I'm putting them into a ward where they're going to meet some very chaotic people that might teach them new behaviours. So sometimes admitting to a hospital is actually an added risk. So sometimes we have to balance up that going home is a risk but so is admitting them as well. I know each word because of her Next week, Ewan talks about what we do when we lose someone to depression. Some very proactive ways to see how they're going and to see through any walls that they might be putting up. Some useful tips as well to help get out of feeling depressed.
In the ancient scriptures in John chapter 16, Jesus was talking to his disciples and said something very intriguing. I have told you these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This is Light and Life. To contact us, go to salvos.org.au slash radio.